Are you thirsty? Anyone here thirsty? Some of us are thirsty. You know, our bodies are created with a thirst that indicates that we need more water. We're actually told that, you know, our bodies need eight to ten glasses of water a day to satisfy that thirst. I think most of us would probably understand that we need eight to ten glasses that are a little bit bigger than this. If this is what we were drinking every day, eight to ten little glasses like this, we'd be thirsty. Our bodies would be longing for more water, needing more water. You know, the God who created our bodies to thirst and provided the water to satisfy that thirst is the same God who created us with a soul. We're body, mind, and spirit, body, mind, and soul. And he created us with a soul that thirsts to be satisfied. It thirsts for more. And, and just like, you know, if we're drinking little glasses of water like this, our body would be screaming out for more for more water. I wonder if it's some of us here this morning. We have a soul that's actually crying out for more, more of God. The same God who, who provided water to satisfy our physical thirst freely gave the Holy Spirit to satisfy our spiritual thirst. It says this in... Uh, the book of Psalms, or book of a collection of songs, Psalm 63 says, um, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being, every part of me longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And then Psalm 42 that Eads just sang for us, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? It's a good question. My soul is thirsty for God. Where can I go and actually meet with God and have that thirst quenched? And Jesus, hundreds of years after these songs were, were penned, gives an answer to that question. He's actually standing in the temple where for hundreds of years people would go to worship God with all of their heart. People would go to seek God's face, to enjoy the very presence of God. And Jesus says these words. He says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone, can everyone say anyone? Anyone, 
anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Just before I read a couple more uh, verses there, let me just unpack this moment. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, they were at the festival of tabernacles or the feast of tabernacles. It was a week-long festival that they had been celebrating for hundreds of years. It was a reminder of the way that God miraculously provided for them in the desert when they were, their forefathers were wandering in, in, in the desert and they didn't know the way to go. God provided, you know, a cloud and fire in the sky to show them the way to go. He miraculously provided. When they had no food to eat, God miraculously provided manna and quail from the sky, from heaven. Food came down so that they had food to eat and they could survive in the desert. And they were in the desert and they had no water. And they're remembering the way that God provided water in the desert when they were thirsty and they were going to die. You see, you can, you can go for, uh, without food in the desert for 40 days and survive. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but it, you could do it. You, you can go for eight days in the desert without sleep. Once again, I wouldn't recommend it. But it is possible. Joey, my son, went for two weeks in the Simpson Desert without changing his undies. Once again, his favorite Spider-Man undies. He didn't want to take them off. Once again, I wouldn't recommend it. But you'll survive. But three days without water in the desert and you'll die. And they're remembering the moment in the desert when they're in a dry and parched land and there is no water. And they're grumbling and they're complaining. And God hears their prayer. And God says to Moses, speak to the rock. Before their very eyes, speak to the rock and the rock will pour out water. What do you say to a rock? I mean, a rock is a solid collection of minerals. It's dry. It, just like the rest of the desert, is parched. It's solid, not liquid. Water runs over rocks. Water runs around rocks. But water doesn't pour out from rocks. What do you say to a rock to get it to pour out water? Please? Flow, abracadabra, for what we're about to receive. <laughs> May the Lord make us truly thankful. Suri, turn on tap. <laughs> it turns out Moses didn't know what to say either. And so what Moses does instead, he takes his stick and he hits the rock. Why does he do that? Because he'd seen God move powerfully when he used that stick in the past. He held up that stick over the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea. He threw that stick on the ground and it became a snake. He picked it back up and it became a stick again. And only about a year earlier, 
in another spot in the desert where they had no water to drink, God said, hit the rock with a stick and water will flow out. And it did. And Moses is there going, I know the stick works. I got no idea how to speak to the rock. So he hit the rock again. You read it in Numbers chapter 20, God was angry with Moses. God disciplined Moses. Moses missed out on the promised land because of his unwillingness to trust God in that moment. I I just want to tell that part of the story because as I was reading it this week, it was just a reminder to me that some of us have seen God move powerfully in the past or some of you have experienced God moving powerfully in your own life in the past. Don't presume God's going to do it the same way in this season. What God is calling us to do in this season is to listen to his voice and courageously obey him in this season. This is the incredible grace of God. Even though Moses disobeyed God, he didn't trust God just to speak to the rock and he hit the rock, Do you know what God graciously did? He made water flow from a rock. He made, you know, water flow from what was impossible. And thousands of people drank and their thirst was quenched and all of their livestock and they all survived because God miraculously provided water from a rock. And that's what they're remembering on the last and greatest day of this festival. They're remembering this moment. And what they would do during the week is that the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam and they'd fill their pitcher with water. And a procession would happen. They'd walk through the streets, you know, back to the temple and they would pour out these pitchers of water on an altar laid out to God as a way of saying, thank you, God, you know, for the way that you provided water miraculously in the desert when when we were thirsty. And it said that it was a time of incredible joy. All of the people as they're walking with this water and it's poured out, they, they would sing all night from the Psalms. They would give thanks to God for all that he'd done in the past. It was an overwhelming time of joy. But on this day, this day when Jesus speaks up, it says it's the last and the greatest day because on the last day, the priest just didn't go and pour out water once but seven times. And they walked around that altar and they poured out water and it was one of the pinnacle moments of joy for the people of Israel every year. It says this in the book of uh, Isaiah, it says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. A, A rabbi reflecting, you know, on this moment that Jesus is standing in said, he that has never seen the joy of the Beth he Shabua, I have no idea how to say that properly, the water drawing has never in his life seen joy. There was this incredible outpouring of joy in worship because hundreds of years earlier, God had provided water in the desert when they were thirsty and they were about to die. 
water poured out from a rock. And it's at this moment, as all of this is going on, there's water everywhere. There's joy everywhere. There's religious people everywhere. There's religious rituals everywhere. Jesus stands in a loud voice and says, if anyone in this place is still spiritually thirsty, come to me. He doesn't point to another ritual. He doesn't say march seven more times. He doesn't say you need more water. He doesn't point to a religious place. He doesn't point to, to, to religious rituals or things. He points to himself. He said, you want your spiritual thirst to be satisfied? Come to me and drink. It was unusual for a teacher at those times to stand in a prominent place with a loud voice. What they would do is they would sit and everyone who wanted to listen would come and sit at their feet. Very unbaptist. They had to sit in the front row. Everyone just wanted to be, you know, close to the front to listen uh, to the speakers. They didn't need to stand in a loud voice. But what Jesus is doing here was uncustomary. He stands in a prominent place and in a very loud voice he says, If anyone here is thirsty, come to me and drink. Because he doesn't want anyone to miss out. If you read the chapters leading up to this, Jesus has been at the Feast of Tabernacles for a few days and John comments on people's reaction to him. And there are people there that are hard-hearted. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. There are people there that are, that are questioning, they're trying to work out, you know, who is this guy? There are people there that, that are living in doubt and unbelief. There are people there who wanted to kill him. And Jesus says to them, the questioners, the doubters, the hard-hearted ones, anyone, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. I can satisfy your spiritual thirst. All of us have a body with a physical thirst that needs water. And all of us have been created by the same God with a spiritual thirst that needs God. Only God can satisfy. You see, we've all got a spiritual thirst. It's just at times we turn to inferior sources. You know, we think just one more relationship and I'll be satisfied. One more sexual encounter and I'll be satisfied. You know, one more business deal and I'll be satisfied. One more zero in my bank account and I'll be satisfied. One more Mars bar and I'll be satisfied. One more drink, and I'll be satisfied. One more purchase, one more delivery from Amazon landing on my front doorstep, and I'll be satisfied. Don't nudge anyone in the ribs right now, because we've all got some inferior sources that we turn to at different times, and they always over-promise and under-deliver. They'll never satisfy. Jesus is saying the only way for your soul to be satisfied is in a personal relationship, not religion. Personal relationship with me. You want your thirst satisfied? Come to me. Then he goes on to say these words. He says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, 
Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. You see, God had promised for centuries through the prophets that he was going to pour out his Spirit in a new way. In Isaiah chapter 44, it says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. There's this promise that God is going to pour out his spirit on dry, weary, thirsty people. And they're going to become life-giving, blessed people they're going to there's going to be an overflow into the next generation your families are going to be blessed when I pour out my spirit in this new way there'll be an overflow into your family in Joel chapter 2 he prophesied and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people everyone say all people Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. There's an overflow. When the spirit of God is poured out, people will prophesy. People will speak. People will see the things of God and say the things of God. There'll be an overflow families will get blessed and there'll be an overflow into the community other people will get blessed as we speak the living words of God and as Jesus is standing in the temple on this day he's boldly declaring that this is the time the time is coming and my spirit will be poured out and it'll be like living water flowing within you. There'll be an overflow. I, I used to have a really bad habit. And some of you were just hoping, just in that instant, I was going to confess some hideous sin. But I'm not. But I know you were hoping. I used to have a bad habit of falling asleep when I was driving. It was a very bad habit. It was a very dangerous habit. And I only broke the habit because when Susan was six months pregnant, I fell asleep driving down the Hume Highway and rolled a four-wheel drive doing 110 down the Hume Highway and I thought I'd killed us all. Very sobering moment. And so I learnt the signs when I'm getting tired and i just got to stop. There's nothing else I can do but to stop. Stop, revive, survive. It makes sense. But years later, I, was, I was, had to drive from Mount Isa to Brisbane. And if you've ever done that, and I had to do it alone, and if you've ever done that, it's not an interesting drive. There's a lot of straight roads just flat. There's nothing to see for a long, long time. I got to about 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'm already starting to fall asleep. I'm feeling the signs. And so I wound down the window and I drove with my head out the window. When that didn't work, I put the music up full bore. And when that didn't work, I started pulling the hairs off my arms and off my legs, trying to stay awake. I actually plucked my legs clean. 
And still, I'm struggling to stay awake. So I came up about 11 o'clock in the morning. I, I came up with a new plan. At the turn of the hour, every hour, I would drink two liters of water. And I wouldn't allow myself to stop for another hour. I'm telling you, you cannot fall asleep driving like this. <laughs> there is an overflow that has to happen. When you take too much water into your body, there's an overflow that must come out. That is true physically. There's also true spiritually. God wants to fill us in such a way that there would be an overflow to the people around us. There would be like streams of living water flowing within us to the people around us. That's why Paul, when he's talking to the Ephesian church, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. If you drink too much wine, there will be an overflow into sin. There'll be an overflow into excess and debauchery, and it's not good for you. So do not get drunk on wine. Do not fill yourself with wine. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, there'll be an overflow. You will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. There'll be an overflow of worship. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's an overflow into our families. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's an overflow into our workplaces and into the people around us. When we're filled with the Spirit, there, there is an overflow in the church, in our lives, in our worship. Let me just, uh, just touch on those two words in English that says be filled. Just if you look at the Greek uh, of those words, there's four important things. Firstly, it's an imperative in the Greek. It means it's a command. It's the same as go and make disciples. It's a command. It's not an optional extra just for a few certain people. It's for everyone. Be filled. I command you. Se secondly, it's passive. It means only God can fill us. We ask, but only God can fill us. It's, it's passive. Thirdly, it's plural in the Greek. It means this is for everyone. This isn't just for one person. This is for everyone. And lastly, it's in the present continuous tense, which means it's not a one-time thing. He says, be filled and go on being filled. Be filled and go on being filled. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. It's a one-time thing. It's a one-time gift. But the New Testament says we get filled and we keep being filled because we leak, because we live in a broken world, because we keep falling to temptation because we keep turning to inferior sources, because we allow the, the stresses and the busyness of this life to use up our reserves and we've got nothing left. And some of us this morning here, if you're really honest, you're running on empty. This is for all of us. So how do we be filled with the Spirit? Let me make it as simple as I can. Firstly, humble repentance before God. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from those inferior sources that are trying to fill you. 
and humbly say, God, I need you. God, you're all I need. I've been turning to the wrong things. This is what prophet Jeremiah said. He says, my people have committed two sins. It's not bad if it's only two, but they're not good. He says, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Some of you know the truth of that. There's a repetitive sin in your life. There's a repetitive turning to the wrong sources, to broken systems that overpromise and underdeliver. And you think, oh, this time it's going to satisfy me, and it doesn't. And over time, it hardens your heart towards God. It deadens your soul. This is the really good news. Your heart only stays hard, and your soul only stays dead for as long as you keep turning to those things. If you repent, if you repent and turn to the Lord, repent of your sin and turn to the Lord, the New Testament says, times of refreshing will come. You've got to understand, this is being spoken to people who've just crucified Jesus weeks earlier. If anyone was supposed to miss out because of their sin, it's these guys. They crucified the Son of God. Peter says, repent, turn to God. Repentance simply means turn around. Sin means just we're aiming for the wrong thing. We've missed the mark. Repent just means turn them back to God the one who can satisfy and times of refreshing will come for the Lord. I think some of us this morning just need to come before God in humble repentance. Say, God, I've been looking at the wrong things. I've been looking at the wrong things. I've been drinking the wrong things. I've been buying the wrong things. I've been turning to the wrong things. And I'm turning back to you. It's a humble repentance. If you're sick of the sin that never satisfies but leaves you dead to God, repent of your sin. Turn to him. Times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Secondly, as firstly, there's a humble repentance before God. Secondly, God's just looking for people that are hungry and thirsty for him. Matthew 6, it says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. When you hunger and thirst for the living God, when you hunger and thirst for Jesus, who is our righteousness, we will be filled. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Firstly, you do have to come before God in repentance and say, I've been turning to the wrong things. And then there's a hunger and a thirst for God saying, God, I want more of you. And this is the good news for us this morning. Jesus himself said this. Luke chapter 11, when he's talking about prayer, he's talking to, to, to human dads and he says, if, even though you're evil, I know you love to give good gifts to your kids. Think about how much more your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Can we just put Luke 11 just up on the screen for a minute? How much more will our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We've got a Father who's not just gracious enough to make water pour out of an impossible rock hundreds of years ago. We've got a Father in heaven who loves, even though we turn to the wrong things and we don't trust him at times, he loves to fill us with living water. He loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask.
humble repentance before God, just a hunger and a thirst for God. It's what these 21 days of prayer and fasting is all about. They're saying, God, I'm just putting aside. And they're not always sinful things. You know, they understand this. We're putting aside some things in these 21 days that we normally turn to to say, God, I want more of you. God, I really want a Big Mac, but I want you more. And it might be one meal a day. It might be one day a week. It might be you choose to fast from food for 21 days. It might be you choose to put aside technology. Say, God, I just want you more. I want you more. I want more of you. I, I want you. I want a bigger cup. I want a bigger cup, God. Come and fill me. You know, in Joel chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it says young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. I've seen lots of visions in the past. I'm starting to dream dreams. I'm getting scared. I probably had the most powerful dream I've ever had, or certainly in the last decade, 10 or 12 days ago. In my dream, I'm in my parents' holiday house on the central coast of New South Wales that they sold about 15 years ago. And it was one of those places where I probably had my most happiest childhood memories. And it was also a place as I got a little bit older, I would go to pray and fast. I would go there as a spiritual retreat. In this dream, I walked in the door of my parents' house and it was filled with people drinking to excess, sexual immorality, just nothing of God, just filled with worldly ways. And I walked in, I'm angry. I'm really upset. And I seek out the, the father of the next-door neighbor. What had happened in the dream is the next-door neighbor decided to throw his daughter's 21st birthday party in my parents' house without asking them. And I, I found this guy, and I'm agitated and I'm angry. And in my dream, I just kept saying over and over again, this is my father's house, and this is not what my dad wants. This is my father's house and it's not what my dad wants this is my father's house and it is not what my dad wants and it didn't matter how physically aggressive he got with me I wouldn't stop saying it and just kept rising up within me in the dream I actually woke up when he's holding a knife to my throat and I'm still saying this is my father's house and it's not what my father wants. I woke up and I was very, very grateful that it was a dream. I was getting a little nervous. And just immediately God took me to that moment as Jesus walks into the temple, sees the money changes making it difficult for people to come into the presence of God, sees that they were focused on, on trade and wealth rather than on the, just seeking his face. And it's a time we actually see Jesus get quite physically violent. And he turns over the tables and he says, this is my father's house. And it's to be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is a place where anyone can come. Seek my face. Enjoy my presence. Pour out their heart to me. And it really matters to me.
I just felt like God saying to us, God saying to me, God saying to the church in this nation, his house is to be called a house of prayer for all nations, a place where all people can come, broken and messed up, but they can come and seek God and be filled by him. They can come when all of the things of this earth never satisfy and they can actually cry out to God and receive his blessing, know his presence, be filled by him. I believe it's what God wants to do in us. It's the hunger and a thirst for his presence. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. He impossibly made water pour out from a rock, even though they disobeyed. Our disobedience actually took the Son of God to a cross. It says, you know, the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But about six months later, Jesus in that human body walked up to the top of to Jerusalem knowing he was going to be crucified. His blood was going to be shed to forgive your sins because of your disobedience. And they took his dead body and they put it in a tomb and they placed a rock over that tomb. And the most powerful man in the region said, secure it as much as is humanly possible. Put a seal around it, guard it. But I'm telling you, we still have a God who is a God of the impossible. He doesn't just make water flow out from rocks. He brings dead things to life. Three days later, when they went looking to anoint Jesus' dead body, he was not there. The rock had been rolled away and Jesus was glorified. And all glory and honour and power has been given to him ever since. All of heaven stands and sings, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is the living one. He is the source of all life. He's so gracious. He wants to fill you this morning. He wants to fill you with His love, fill you with His power, fill you with overwhelming joy. Can we stand together this morning? I I want us just to do some humble repentance. I'm just going to do it as we breathe. Right now, I just want you to breathe out and just confess to God the way that you've turned to inferior sources. Whatever it is, whatever you've been turning to to satisfy you, just confess it right now. Maybe you breathe in. Just breathe in His forgiveness. His blood that washes you for a clean. Just breathe it in. I really believe some of what stops the flow of the Spirit for some of us in this room is that we're carrying offense in our heart, offense to other people. And you've got to let go of it today. You've got to release forgiveness. Because you breathe out, just let go of that offense that's in your heart choose to forgive as you breathe in just breathe in the goodness of God the blessing of God and just speak it over those people who have caused you offence just begin to pray God's goodness and blessing over them 
as you breathe out, maybe some of you just need to confess that you've been distracted by worldly things. You got busy doing all sorts of things, but your heart hasn't been turned into gold. Just breathe it out. As you breathe in, just say, come Holy Spirit. Just pray, come pray it out loud, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill me, pray it out loud, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. Fill me with your love, fill me with your power, fill me with an overflowing joy. I pray in Jesus' name. I'm just gonna invite our prayer team and our pastoral team down the front. Uh, our worship team just going to sing a really simple song, which is like a prayer. It just says, more love, more power, more of you in my life. If that is your prayer, I will worship you with all of my heart. I tell you, God is a generous God. He wants to come and fill you afresh with His Holy Spirit. If you're thirsty this morning, you're thirsty, you say, I want a bigger cup. God, I want more of you, more of you in my life. Just come and receive. Just come and receive. Let someone just lay hands on you. They're simply going to pray that God would fill you afresh with His Holy Spirit. Filled afresh with the power, the love, the joy. Come on, just start to come. Don't wait. Line up. People will get to you. Just come and receive this morning. Come on. I'm thirsty, God. I want more of you. Come on. faith to believe that your promise is true how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask god this morning would you give us faith to ask would you give us a, a hunger and a thirst for you for more of you for a deeper well a bigger cup an overflow of your love and power in our lives 
God, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit, God. Pour out your spirit in this place. We want more of you, God. There's more of you that need to come. Just come and receive. I'm going to keep singing this song for a moment. These guys are going to keep praying this prayer. Just come if you've got a hungry heart, just saying, God, I've experienced this much of you, but I want to experience more. I want more, God. I want my life to be like what I read in the Bible. Come on, just come. If you're thirsty for more this morning, just come and receive. Just, uh, just keep coming this morning. We're, we're going to finish this morning just uh, singing with all of heaven. Singing of all of heaven, just with overwhelming joy and praise to the one who has been glorified, to, to Jesus, the, the living one. I just encourage you this morning, just let the joy in your heart overflow. As we join with all of the angels, all of the creatures, all of heaven and singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who has overcome death, the one who has given us new life. You know, for hundreds of years, they could worship God with an overflowing joy because of water coming out of a rock. I just believe God wants to release in us an overflowing joy for the living, the one, the one who has given us living water, the one who has died in our place so that we could live. Come on together. Let's lift up worship and praise to Jesus. Let's declare together, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.
choose to turn away from what we know will never satisfy. God, would you give us a hunger and a thirst to seek your face, to walk in intimacy with you. And God, I pray this morning you'd fill our hearts with joy. God, over these next 21 days as we as we cry out to you, as we sit in your word, as we worship you alone and together, God, would you put a joy in our hearts, an overflowing, an overwhelming joy, a joy just to, to, to tell you how much we love you, a joy at walking alongside of you, a joy that we are saved. God, that we would never, lose hold of the joy of our salvation. God, over these next 21 days, we give ourselves to you and we say, come Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Fill us with joy. Fill us with extravagant love. Fill us with astonishing faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, our prayer team are going to stay down here for a little while. If you've got a prayer, need for anything at all, just come, just come. We'd love to stand with you. We'd love to pray uh, for you this morning. Just come and uh, receive. God bless you. love to know what God has been saying to you as you've prayed, come Holy Spirit. You can connect with us at gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know how Jesus is changing your life.